On this week's episode, we welcome former Governor Mark Stanford. Governor, we welcome you to the broadcast. Thank you so much for joining us. Pleasure, yes, sir. Um, will Jim Jordan be the next Speaker of the House? Uh, I, I would doubt it. I mean, I, I, I just, you know, at the end of the day, Jim has been a firebrand, uh, well-regarded on the right, but uh, I think there's been suspicion on the left. And given the way in which the party right now in, in Congress is, is somewhat fractured, I'd give the, the, the edge to somebody like Steve Scalise. Now, whether or not he has the health to do that right now, the crisscrossing of the state, raising money, and all that you have to do in, in the speakership role as you're fighting cancer, I mean, I, I don't know how you combine those two, but I, I think, you know, it would be something more in that direction than Jim Jordan would be my take at this point. Should the House expel Matt Gates? Uh, I, I, I don't think that that's constitutionally possible. Um, so I, I, I don't I don't see that on the horizon. I think he'll be uh, um, expelled in a in a in a uh, in in the sense of you're not going to see a lot of guys and gals wanting to hang out with him within the Republican conference. I mean, I think he's isolated himself which is its own form of expulsion. Um, and I think he'll be less and less relevant given the way in which people have seen this sort of act of terror on the conferences as they would view it. Anytime you can get it right with about 95% of the folks you're dealing with, uh, you got it about right. And, and Kevin McCarthy had done that in, in, in the way that he got everybody but those eight. Um, but that's the hand he was dealt and that's what he was dealing with and they leveraged it to maximum effect in this case making history you said unconstitutional and it seems from what we've heard with republicans going on different networks saying that matt gates showed them videos of his sexual escapades his sexual encounters naked women the fact that he had to be on the right drug to stay up all night to keep up with the pace of the women that he was conquering and they're willing to go on the record, uh, but they keep using the word expel. Is it something that you, you aware of as a former House member that they're not considering? Uh, it's, just, it's just more rhetoric than actual what can actually happen. I mean, I, I, I don't know about these other things. All I know is at the end of the day, he gathered with eight other Republicans and a bunch of Democrats to do something that was allowed within the, the the very framework of what had been consecrated when Kevin became speaker. I mean, that was the deal, in essence, if you want to think about it in layman's terms. I don't know that you can expel somebody. You may dislike them. You may avoid them. But I don't know you can expel somebody based on the rules of the House being prescribed to, in this case, and taking down a speaker. Um, the 207 Democrats that voted against the speaker versus the eight Freedom Caucus members that voted against the speaker. What is the correct narrative? Was he ousted by the Democratic House or was he ousted by his own? He's ousted by his own, but I don't know that he would describe those as his own. Mind you, those are folks that I think collectively he'd raised millions of dollars for in helping them to get uh, elected or reelected as the case might be. I don't know that I'd lay this all at the hands of the Freedom Caucus either. I mean, somebody like Jim Jordan is a member of the Freedom Caucus, uh, but he did not vote that way, and he's leadership within the Freedom Caucus. So 
I, I think it's a, a number of renegades who had different personal grudges or vendettas against Kevin. I don't think as much as they're trying to couch it now in terms of policy that it was about policy, I think that going back to what you're alleging with regard to, you know, Gates and different exploits, I, I, I think that it's more about a, a vendetta. I mean, apparently he was very upset about this ethics investigation into some of what he has been charged with on that front. He, he was upset with Kevin for not stopping it, which I don't think was in Kevin's hands. And I think it was a personal vendetta, which is, you've hurt me, therefore I'm going to hurt you to maximum effect. I don't care who the next speaker is. We don't have a plan going forward. We don't know what's going to happen with regard to the Republican conference, much less the Congress going forward. But I don't care. I'm going to blow you up. Um, obviously, I saw an interview with Jim Jordan where he was asked about the funding of Ukraine, and he said that was not a priority for him if he were to become speaker, which indicates that uh, for anyone who may become the next speaker, um, defunding Ukraine totally has to be a part of the commitment as well as protecting America's borders uh, all across the country. And also, the fact is that uh, Kevin McCarthy was a consensus builder, and it is shocking that the Democrats would oust a consensus builder, somebody who who's willing to cross the aisles to work with them to get an unknown, whereas obviously this funding Ukraine is just, it's a non-starter. I, I'll be honest with you, I don't, I don't quite understand it. I mean, I, I get the nexus that people have tried to create, which is to say, look, we don't even have security on our southern border. Let's do first things first. But in light of the deficits that we're running, all the other bogus programs that are being funded in Washington, D.C., I, I don't get it because some of the very so I think that you need to secure the border first and foremost get it but the idea of not supporting uh, a country like the Ukraine sends an incredible signal to the rest of the world uh, as to what we're about I, I, I don't get it because the very same folks that are against some of the Ukraine funding now were the very folks supporting not billions but trillions of dollars that we spend in the Middle East and mind you in the Middle East American soldiers, airmen, Marines, uh, whatnot, were dying because we were doing the fighting for them. In this case, you have Ukrainians that are out there dying and fighting uh, against, uh, again, an avowed aggressor to us, which is Russia. And we're saying, well, you know, I don't know about this one. But wait, you just voted a couple years ago to support all kinds of funding in the Middle East. I, I, it, I don't quite understand what's going on with that one. Is it more likely, from your experience and the communications you have with your colleagues, that there will be a government shutdown? I wouldn't doubt it. I mean, it really depends on who you end up next as speaker. I mean, I, I think that there are a couple different pieces of the puzzle that have to fall into place or out of place between here and there, and we don't know which way they're going to fall. I wouldn't at all rule it out, given how divided things are right now at this present moment in Washington. How shocked were you when you first heard the news that the speaker was ousted? I was totally shocked because I hadn't been following it because I'm back in business world and was not following it. And somebody mentioned it and then I pulled it up on the web and I'm like, you got to be kidding me. Uh, I mean, there's a reason this has never happened before. Uh, this ain't an easy one, but it was, a, again, a perfect storm of, you know, the narrowest working majority that Republicans had really in the last hundred years, 
combined with some personal vendettas and animus, combined with Democrats who figured, what the heck, let's go ahead and embarrass this guy. Though he may have worked with us, he didn't give us all that we wanted. I mean, everybody has their beef in Washington, D.C., uh, combined with a, a country that's fairly divided right now and a Republican Party that's equally divided. And so you combine all those things and you have a perfect storm um, and you had, again, history made the other night. So Nancy Mace, uh, who eventually became your successor, voted for ousting the speaker and she's on TV all over the place saying she is being targeted um, by the establishment. Her money is drying up. They're targeting her for defeat. That is your former seat. Um, is this fair? Because McCarthy did raise a lot of money for her to keep her that seat relevant for the GOP. That's just a fact. Yeah. Yeah, no, it is. Um, I guess Truman saying uh, there that he put on his desk when he was president is pretty true, which is if you want a friend in Washington, get a dog. I mean, loyalty lasts about five seconds. I mean, the fact that so many of these different folks, again, had seen really substantial fundraising efforts on their behalf by Kevin, and yet they, they vote as they did, I think would at least be worth a personal conversation, not a surprise. Sometimes you got to do what you got to do, and they got to do what they got to do. But, but I think when there's been that kind of help offered over a, a long period of time, you owe it to folks to at least have a conversation and not surprise somebody, which is what a whip count is all about. And obviously, um, uh, again, Kevin thought he was in a more secure spot than he was based on the whip count that they had. You know, um, not surprisingly, you're being a former governor, a former member of Congress. Um, your name is being mentioned in the Washington circles as somebody that could possibly challenge Co Congresswoman Mace for that seat. Is there any possibility, and I know you would not run based on that, I know you love this country, you felt you left and you had not completed your work as a member of Congress. Is there any scenario that you would run again? You know, anybody who's been in politics for a long number of years never says never. I learned that a long time ago, but that's nothing I have plans for, nothing I'm aimed toward. I, I'm trying to, you know, keep these business fires I got going uh, alive, which is its own daily struggle. You know, from where you sit, uh, it looks like America's de America's democracy is unraveling. What you are seeing in the Congress is representative of what's happening in the country now, the divisiveness, the revenge, the vindictiveness. No one can agree. No one can cooperate. Americans continue to lose their way of life. I mean, we're not talking about House of Cards, some Netflix or HBO drama. What is happening in Congress now is better than ever any drama series ever been put on TV, and it's true and real. What hope does it give to the American people for true leadership and true governance in their best interest? Former Congressman and Governor Mark Sanford. Well, not a lot, to your point. I mean, people are increasingly turned off and skeptical of what's going on in Washington and anybody who's there. Um, you know, vote the bums out is not just sort of a casual phrase, it's what a lot of people believe. And yet, I, I wanna stress the point that you just made, which is the, the ridiculous level of divisiveness. At the end of the day, to Kevin's point, he said this in his sort of farewell address, you know, he had the support of 96% of, of, of the conference. 
you know, you can't do anything. If you if, if you don't make 5% folks of the folks upset with what you're doing, you're not trying to do anything. You, you, you're going to always have people pushing against you. That's just reality if you try to do anything in life. And so the idea of, wait, you know, I, I, I didn't get you know, a full 100%. I was only at 96% not being good enough. You can't govern in that circumstance. And I, I would remind you of my own race back in whatever year it was, when Trump came after me, I'd voted with him 96% of the time. And yet on a couple of issues, whether the debt and the deficit and the spending, which uh, again, a lot of folks sort of viewed as a blank credit card during that time, or a couple of other issues that were local to the district in South Carolina, I voted against him. But I voted with him 96% of the time, but only in uh, the kind of crazy times we're living in can you then be viewed as an enemy which is exactly the same thing that Tom Rice said. He said, you know, what's somebody that votes with uh, with Trump only 96% of the time? He's an enemy. And that is the breakdown of our democratic process when you, you, you somebody expects a court of 100%. That is not the system that the founding fathers gave us. They gave us a reason-based republic where at times we could agree to disagree. And finally, um, former governor and congressman Sanford, um, we know the White House is in chaos, which is the executive branch. Now it appears the legislative body is in chaos. Do you think this latest is, uh, assures uh, the Republicans that they could possibly lose the House in, 2000, in 2024 and embolden the Democrats with all the problems they have? I think it'd be tough uh, simply because you have a Democrat in the White House, and historically, that does not lean toward the uh, Democrats in the House. So I, 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 that remains to be seen. I will say we're tripping over ourselves. I mean, the fact that Gates and this group would do this on the day they did it, at the very day that Hunter Biden is in court, is not exactly picking your time and in a way to watch out for the Republican conference or the ideals it's trying to advance. So. I mean, I don't know. I can't predict the future, but what I'd say is we're sure making some unforced errors that are going to hurt us in an electoral sense. Former governor of South Carolina and congressman uh, Mark Sanford, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you for listening to this week's episode.